Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace, here with a returning creator, someone I'm a big fan of. He's been on before to talk about his uh, previous projects, Kickstarter and Zoop. Uh, Benjamin Morris is joining us to talk about his latest campaign, August Purgatory Underground. Ben, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, so uh, why don't we start off by telling everybody uh, what August is about, uh, and then we'll talk uh, about the campaign and some of the tiers that are available and uh, get into the story and what have you. Okay, so August, uh, Purgatory Underground is the first book of a series I'm going to be doing a lot more of. It's kind of a space opera sort of action series, and it has a lot in common with you know, your He-Man, Transformers, Star Wars, all that stuff from the 80s. Um, the story is about uh, the titular character, Captain August. He's kind of a, um, you know, a stereotypical Johnny Quest, Robin, Luke Skywalker type of hero who uh, ends up becoming a scapegoat for a, a huge tragedy at the end of a giant galactic civil war. So the story pretty much picks up from there. He's sort of trying to um, deal with his new circumstances and uh, with the fact that some of his villains are not as, uh, not as gone as they had thought they were. So. That's uh, that's his story. And the, the sort of larger story is it's uh, it's kind of taking something that was an 80s franchise or could have been um, and just trying to move the story forward from something like that in a satisfying way. So hopefully I'm getting some of the nostalgia you get from these new reboots of stuff um, and also giving the story a little bit of history. Yeah, and I find that to be really interesting because I definitely got that sense when I was able to check out the story, kind of that 80s um you know, cartoon action figure type feel, which was so different than your previous project that uh, we had you on to talk about Scarlet Twilight, which was uh, interesting in its own right with, you know, somebody, and I won't spoil it for those that haven't read it. You need to check it out. Uh, you know, somebody who was the protagonist, but not necessarily the person that we thought he was and going back to art deco and thirties and pulp uh, adventure and then dealing with future stuff as well. Uh, this was just so different, different kind of headspace to to get into. Um, so was it was it a challenge? Is this something that you have looked at for a long time? Does working on previous projects like Scarlet Twilight inform this in, in any way? Give us some uh, give us some uh, of your thoughts about that. Well, this actually was completed before Scarlet Twilight was even uh, really conceived of. So this, um, I think, I finished it in twenty twenty, just before uh, just before summertime um, for a publisher. And then um, kind of put it on hold because of the pandemic. In the meantime, I created Scarlet Twilight. Um, but this project I've been working on for about 10 years. It went through a lot of stops and starts, um, a lot of different pitches, uh, and a lot of different approaches. And that's one of the cool things about this collection is there's a lot of that stuff in this uh, in the art book section. So it was cool to do. As far as uh, how I kind of approached it differently um, than Scarlet Twilight, in a lot of ways it it was the same process. Uh, all the Scarlet Twilight was a lot smoother. Um, I kind of took a lot of elements that I wanted to see in a story that I thought were fun to, to put into a comic, um, found a story that worked for them and, and kind of just, I, I described it as like putting those on a, on a, on a desk or something and arranging them in a way that I think works best for everything. So uh, I looked at in Scarlet Twilight, I kind of looked at the golden age stuff. I looked at, um, you know, art deco, like artwork itself, and really just kind of tried to bring those elements in uh, and say, okay, what's the best payoff for each of those, those elements? What's the most fun way to approach that for a reader? Uh, and August was the same approach. I, I know a lot of people love that 80s stuff. I certainly do. Uh, I thought, you know, when we look at these reboots, uh, you know, where they bring back Star Wars and a lot of people 
you know, don't necessarily like everything they've done with them. Uh, and I, I guess I'm one of those, but I also look at that as like, it's such an impossible task. They go back to these, these old franchises for the nostalgia, um, you know, and the, the equity of that, that franchise, but to move the story forward in a convincing way or a way that makes sense to do also really violates some of the things people liked about the old versions. Uh, and I kind of tried to do that backwards for this. I said, well, let's create a good story. Something will work. Then find good ways to inject that nostalgia to, you know, give it some history, give it a little bit of a lived in feel. So that part of the process was very much the same. Yeah. And it's so interesting because uh, as you alluded to, uh, and in, if you, everybody go to the Zoop, uh, campaign page, and I'll put a link in the show notes for you to go and check it out. It talks about the fact that this is happening, you know, at the end of the, this Galactics Award that's been going on. Um, and that's so interesting because immediately, you know, I finished reading it. I wanted more. I'm interested in August as a character and, you know, the, where he is at the end, sort of starting a new chapter to mm-hmm. see what that new chapter is. But I'm also curious about going back and seeing early days when he was <laughs> with Captain Waverly in the war and the, the battles and that kind of thing. Cause I think you have the ability with the way you set things up to go either direction, right? Yeah. And actually what I'm going to do, uh, the next book I'm going to do is, is takes place about 50 years later. Uh, he's really old. Um, humanity and, you know, the whole galactic civilization has pretty much collapsed. Um, you know, I think the way I leave the story, um, I have four chapters of it planned that take place, you know, throughout his life. Uh, and I thought it would be interesting just to go right to the end first, kind of do a Dark Knight Returns story uh, with him uh, and then go back into the middle chapters. And I I think that for the stuff that preceded this book, um, I, I've been thinking about that in, uh, in, in a few other points of his life that aren't necessarily one of my main chapters. But I think one day if, uh, you know, if people like the character and I, I find ways to get back to it, uh, I kind of want to do like a 12 or 20 issue run of that period of his life the, that takes place before this, where it's, you know, those characters that you see here or see referred to, um, but do it a little bit differently than the four issue kind of, uh, I, I think of these, the, the main four books I'm going to do, and this is the first one. I think of these almost like they're movies. They're the the movies in a series you would, you know, follow this character through. And uh, hopefully that part of his life and the part that kind of comes after this book uh, might be fun to do like a traditional comic run someday with it. Just do, you know, kind of subplots and, build up characters, have like longer arcs, um, really give it a different type of payoff. So uh, that really all comes down to how well, uh, how good job I can do of bringing people back to this character and, uh, and uh, keep them interested. Yeah. Uh, and it is really interesting. It's really good, everybody. And, and Ben's right. When he talks about that nostalgia, you know, it's not, it's not one of those things where you feel trapped, you know, back mm-hmm. in the past or what have you, but there's vibes that come through. Like I got some Buck Rogers vibes or some Battlestar Galactic right. vibes, you know, those, those, TV shows that I loved in the, in the eighties that were just fantastic. And it gets to a point, something else you and I have talked about previously, the fact that sci-fi stories, sci-fi settings lend themselves to so many different aspects of storytelling and things to explore, whether it be morality or uh, more complex ideas of identity. And, uh, you know, another one of the things that we struggle with as a society is, you know, you train these people, you build them to be warriors. You, they go out there and fight and win the war. And then they come back and they're expected to just be. Yeah, it's the normal everyday. You know what I mean? And, and there's a sense of that with with August. You know, supposedly the war is over, um, and it's like, okay, we don't have you use for you anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that something that's interesting to you? That idea of identity? And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of took that idea. Um, you know, obviously that's happened many times in our history. We kind of have not treated people coming back from situations like this. Uh, very well, they're very fairly, in my opinion. But 
uh, I kind of took that and, and I just directed on one guy, not a group of people or a type of person. Um, the thing he gets blamed for, I thought I, I want that to be the biggest comic bookiest thing it could be like really just pump up the drama, uh, you know, and, and concentrate it down on the one guy. And I, um, I was really inspired uh, about 2012. I was watching that new Dr. Who series. They had started a few years previous to that with Christopher Eccleston. And they had the subplot that he had destroyed his home planet and the Daleks planet, I think, um, to save the rest of the universe. And that was a great bit of history uh, for the character. Uh, and I was new to the character at that time. And uh, the way people reacted to him, was re- to him in that series was really interesting. And I thought, well, that's cool. They're, they're, everyone's very thankful and, and sorry for him. Uh, I thought, what if everybody hated him? That's you know, obviously a, a good way to just pump up the stakes for the character, obviously just get as much drama out of it. Uh, but also it made it very easy for me to establish the other characters in a good way. It's like some people like, no, it's crazy that you got blamed for this. I'm never going to, you know, I'm with you till the end. Other characters are like, ah, I'm sorry it happened, but I got to do this instead. And other people hate him, you know, completely. Yeah. It was a nice way to, to just put everybody where they needed to be. Um, give them some interesting problems to wrestle with. Uh, and obviously August has the, the biggest problem there. Um, and then I also knew that I wanted him to be um, my co-creator here, long shot. <laughs> not going to get to say anymore. Sorry, bud. Um, I, I wanted him to uh, be a kind of quiet character. I didn't want him to say a lot. Um, I, I kind of thought of him as, uh, I wanted him to be kind of a Clint Eastwood type, but I wanted to be clear he was not always that way. And that's a little bit of a problem because he doesn't, you know, then say a lot. And I think that letting everyone say things to him, talk about what's happened to him and him not even really until the second issue say much about how he feels about it um, was a good way to give him a, the kind of quiet intensity I wanted. Uh, but I hope also kind of, I, I hope at that point in the story, people are like, I, I want to know what he thinks about it. Does he blame himself? Is he, mad at everyone else for turning their back on him. Um, you know, like I, I kind of, I wanted to build up a little bit of mystery as to what his interior, uh, you know, life is like as far as the things he's wrestling with. So hopefully that was, uh, I hope that came through, but it definitely made it easy for me to, to write the character and then get a sense of who he is. Yeah. There's a real sense of, it's interesting. It's, you know, I was talking about identity and duality. There's a real sense of tragedy to him for, for what he's been mm-hmm. through. You kind of feel bad. He was forced into the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there's a quiet confidence. Like he, he's yeah. somebody that right away you, you kind of, you know, he had to do this terrible thing. And, and I don't know, there's just an inherent trust you managed to establish with the character. Like you believe in him. And so you, mm-hmm. at least for me as a reader, I was like, yeah, he, he did this terrible thing. He must not have had a choice. He, he comes across as so kind of forthright. Um, mm-hmm. so I think you did a, a real good job. Uh, getting back to something I said earlier about getting a sense of th- those eighties kind of franchises of Buck Rogers, uh, 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 Battlestar Galactica, that kind of thing. Uh, is that just in your DNA? Oh yeah. So, so interesting how you were able to to do that because there's nothing I can point to and go, okay, this is why it reminds me of that or, or what have you, but you did it really, really well. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I think that what I did there was, um, each visual element, once I kind of knew what I was going for, I mean, I just took from so many things. Hopefully it's hard to, you know, I, I took Luke Skywalker's haircut. Um, I thought that's cool. It really gives you that early eighties feel. Um, Cause it's not something that it's not a haircut that people still have in a lot of ways. Um, so I wanted that. Um, I took like Archie's uh, freckles and hair color because I wanted him to, to have this sort of all American golden boy uh, appearance in a lot of ways. 
I wanted to remind you of a lot of different things um, in each aspect of the appearance of the supporting characters. Um, I would, I would think about how I wanted you to react to them. And I'd think about characters that did that and sort of just pick and choose elements uh, color wise, um, you know, features, any of that stuff. Uh, you know, I was just really picking from things in that period that would, that hopefully bring that to your mind without it taking over. And there's sometimes I was pretty overt about that. There's a splash panel where we introduce a character. And I, I'm definitely like, this is kind of this guy, um, you know, and I'm a little more overt at sometimes, sometimes I'm just mashing a lot of things together and hopefully giving you that, that the, the feeling of that era. Um, as far as like the costumes, definitely Buck Rogers and Battlestar Galactica were, I almost just took kind of what they were doing and put a little color in it to give it kind of, you know, a little bit of superhero, a little bit of transformers, like, you know, visuals to it uh, as far as just having some bright colors in there. But yeah, I, I just wanted to mash all that together. Um, my, my guide still in creating all the vehicles was it had to look like a toy. Like it had to look like I could see a simplified plastic version of this, you know, when a kid running around with it so that, and it, it was really fun to, research all this stuff. When I say research, it's just the junk I'm always looking at anyway. Yeah. But uh, it was fun to go through, uh, have specific roles I kind of needed to fill in the comic visually and think like, okay, what's, what's going to give you the right reaction to it when you see this thing? What's it going to remind you of? How can I use that to maybe switcheroo something? So you, you expect it to go one way and it doesn't, or to quickly establish something, just say, Hey, this is, I don't want to spend 10 pages doing something I've got two pages for, I, I can use a little bit of visual shorthand to tell you about, um, you know, about this character rather than dump a lot of exposition out there. Yeah. And the other thing that you're always fantastic about in these costume designs is kind of that iconography, you know, putting some kind of, um, you know, symbol on the chest so you can kind of identify people with Scarlet Twilight. You even had aprons, which I ordered one, which is just awesome. Uh, but the same thing here, I, you know, I was looking at um, some of the rebels and, and the costumes they were wearing. Um, and yeah, just so interesting. Is that something you enjoy kind of that costume and character, oh, yeah. like, like not necessarily faces or body shapes, but like the actual icons and the way the costumes look and what have you. Yeah. I love doing that stuff. Um, you know, I'm a graphic designer in my, my day job. So I, it's kind of fun to, you know, I, I generally just have like a silhouette of a character, um, make a clipping mask out of it and I'm throwing shapes in there. Um, and I kind of start with, the most basic part of it, which, you know, I want it to be a logo. I wanted to read that simply. And then I can kind of go in and figure out where I can add detail, how much detail I can add. Um, and then just let that sort of pile up and pile up, make edits to it until I have something I think has the right amount of, you know, visual, uh, I would say iconic. I'm not going to call my stuff iconic or, uh, you know, like sort of a weird thing to say about yourself, I guess, but um, I want it to look simple, be really easily easy to identify in a way a logo is, and then find cool ways to add flourish and detail there. Um, you know, and also I kind of look at what I want the artwork to look like, how I want to shade things, how I want to render stuff, and make sure that the costume kind of serves that goal. With Scarlet Twilight, I knew I wanted Captain Lance's costume to have big areas of black that I wouldn't necessarily render. Um, so I kind of had to leave room for that with August. I knew I wanted to really render a lot of stuff in like a 90 style. So I need to have a lot of open areas to be able to do that. Um, so it's just, it's just kind of planning for, uh, you know, what the art style is going to be, uh, what's going to be simple and, you know, generally just what's fun to look at. Yeah. The other thing that I, I really look at when I, I think about Scarlet Twilight. I, I think about this book is your, your stories are so action packed. Like they're just, there's so much action. Um, 
what's interesting here in August, we get action that's in space with space battles and spaceships, and then we get you know actual fights where they're you know hand to hand and what have you. You prefer one of the over the other? Is one more challenging than uh, than the other? Uh, they were they're both challenging in different ways. I hope that's not too much of a cop out. Um, I knew I wanted to get that stuff in there, and I'm always concerned when I'm writing something. I, I'm I'm almost planning it instead of writing it. I'm kind of looking at it like I know where I want the story to go. I know what I want to say with it. And at that point, I just kind of step back and think like, okay, a reader, how many, how much action do they need in an issue? How much, you know, how much is interesting? How, how can I pace this? So it's fun to read. And there's still a lot of room. I think creatively for me, I can do everything I want to do within those bounds. So I kind of, once I have my, my thing planned out, I, I just kind of take a step back and say, okay, now I'm a reader. I'm reading this for the first time. When do I need to see action? How much do I need to see? How much do I need to set up? How many questions do I need to set up? And, and when do I need to answer them? And just kind of decide what the most fun way for that to unfold will be. And then I can kind of do my thing in there and get the character moments I want. As far as like the fight scenes go, um, a lot of them were tough because I wanted a lot of these different fight scenes to be uh, references to other movies. I, I had like an Indiana Jones fight in there. I have a, the whole, uh, I knew I wanted the last issue to be an issue long fight. That was kind of like a Rocky movie, which is to say, I wanted to have, you know, a part where he's getting beat, a part where he looks like he's going to come back, a part where he gets beat again. And then it just, just some back and forth mm-hmm. um, that, that really stays with that fight and makes it, I hope memorable. And uh, that was hard to do because I hadn't realized it was very hard to find a pose I hadn't used earlier than the issue is you're going to have like a 20 page fight. Right. So that, that was an unexpected challenge. I ended up going through uh, a ton of my old Busema comics and just taking clips of a, a good type of, I would never, you know, copy a pose or a layout. But I was like, okay, there's, you can do a shot where the hero's here and the bad guy's there. And, and that's different just because I was kind of running out of stuff after, yeah. after so many panels. <laughs> Uh, that's fantastic. Well, you mentioned the supporting cast earlier. There's a, a my, probably my favorite being the sheriff, but yeah, there's a scene early on where when August gets to this planet, he gets a chance to meet, you know, what's left of, it's so interesting. It's like a rebellion against the rebellion. <laughs> We're yeah. getting tertiary here. Uh, but again, the idea of uh, a rich world that you've created, there's these characters that could be fleshed out as well. Might we see them in some of these other, uh, like maybe the, the flash forward to uh, 50 years later or what have you, do you have any um, thoughts on some of those other supporting characters? Yeah. You'll see them in parts two and three. Um, the, you will not see him in part four. Um, he's, he's almost like the only person left only at the end. Of so it's a, the whole universe itself takes a pretty, pretty tragic turn. Um, and in the story of his life is basically points where he's, you know, trying to fight against that, say who he can, do what he can. And uh, and I really kind of want, if you've read Horatio Hornblower novels or the Master and Commander series, they kind of just take a character and, and give you novels at different points in history and through their lives. And that's kind of what I kind of decided, well, let's take a really dramatic time of history, you know, imagine future history, and put him in a good spot for it and just have him see all these things, witness them, take part in them. Uh, so you'll see those characters a lot in part two um, and a little bit in part three and part four. He uh, it's weird. Cause there's not a lot of them in it. Um, there's actually a very small cast in the fourth story. The one I'm going to do next, but um, I, it was an interesting challenge when I was writing that one and, and laying out the pages to really make you feel how sad he is. Those people are gone mm-hmm. that some of the places he is um, how much, how lonely he's become, how uh, you know, how much he, 
has lost in his life. And uh, it was in a weird way. uh, It was kind of interesting how involved those characters ended up being in the next book, even though they're, you know, they're not seen. Uh, And um, I think we alluded to the fact that one of them might still be around. uh, And then, uh, and it's, it's just kind of up in the air. Yeah. So interesting. Almost a little bit of like a Mad Max franchise. Oh yeah. Like uh, you read that first story, civilization's kind of still around, see it's in decline. And then by the end, it's like, you know, post-apocalyptic. So yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, Well, everybody, as we're recording this, uh, the campaign is about 25% funded. Uh, There's still quite a few days to go, 27 days left. Uh, Ben, why don't you give people an idea of what some of the uh, tiers are that are uh, available in the campaign? Okay, so our main tier is just the hardcover collection, and it's uh, it's about 200, it's a little over 200 pages. It's got the complete issues one through four. It's got a gallery of all the covers I've done, and some of them weren't published. Um, and then it has the part I'm really excited about, which is kind of an art book. Uh, it shows a lot of the design sketches, a lot of the concept art, and a lot of artwork I've generated over the 10 years or so it took to kind of put this book together and, and plan it out and come up with the final version. So there's a lot of cool stuff there to see. And uh, there's a little bit in there where we tease, you know, future adventures and what those are going to be like. Uh, and the part I'm really excited about is there's a 13-page prequel that takes place before the main story uh, that was kind of the first scene of previous drafts of the story. And uh, it's kind of cool because it's comprised of, I think, three different times I had tried to do that scene for different pitches. So the art style is a little different um, in parts of it. But it's, I think, kind of a fun artifact. And it's a, a cool scene that just didn't have a place in the the issues one through four stories. So I'm excited to finally have a home for that. Um, as far as uh, that collection goes, we have a digital version that's uh, a bit cheaper. We have um, the same hardcover, but signed and then uh, an option for a remarked version. I'll do some sketches on. And as far as add-ons go, we might uh, add a card series if we can figure it out. Um, but we also have some pages. Uh, this was an idea zoo pad that worked out really successfully in Scarlet Twilight was uh, I'm digital, um, but they said, you know, we've, we've had a little bit of success doing just 11 by 17 prints of black and white pages that will, that, you know, you will commit to not selling prints of any other time and come with a certificate. And uh, hopefully people want to pick up some of those. I was very surprised to see there was kind of a market out there for that, that people would want a high quality print that's one of a kind, but isn't necessarily original art. Um, but there's a lot of those, I think seven of those we have on sale, um, some splash panels, just some really cool pages from the series. So um, that's that's what we got. Um, I think it's uh, keep an eye on it. We're going to probably add some things as uh, the campaign goes on. But that's uh, those are our tiers. Yeah, I, I especially like the fact that, yeah, I know you work digitally. This is the closest thing you can get to original art. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they are very affordable. Um, and, you know, some amazing pages, like you said, some really impactful pages from uh, from the book that you can get. And yeah, the fact that you, you will be the only one that has that, you can frame it, hang it on your wall, just like a, a piece of original art. Uh, absolutely amazing. So, uh, well, I appreciate the time, Ben. Best of luck with the campaign. Uh, the book's amazing, everybody. I've had a chance to check it out. Highly recommend it. Uh, we know with Zoop, you're going to get uh, a good package. It's going to be high production value, something you can be proud of uh, on your shelf. Um, anything else that you want to share with our listeners, Ben, before I let you go? Oh, not too much. I just, um, just to kind of, I guess, sum up, you know, if you're, uh, if you're a fan of these old properties, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, the Transformers, He-Man, G.I. Joe, um, I really made this book for you. I'm, that stuff is running through my veins as well. You know, that's really where I, I have a lot of nostalgia for the time periods when I grew up. And uh, I really, 
I, I looked at this as a kind of a, a way to create something that gave you all the nostalgia that you kind of want the new Star Wars movies to give you or the rebooted uh, you know, He-Man show they had on Netflix. I, I looked at those and I thought, there's a lot of dissatisfaction there, and I can see why. It's it's almost an impossible task to move these characters forward. You almost have to break some of the things you liked about them. And so you're either doing something that's a soulless retread or is drastically different and doesn't give you what you wanted. So this was my way to kind of hopefully create something that gives you what you want out of those you know, Star Trek Picard or, you know, any of those reboots. Um, and I kind of did that by, you know, doing it backwards, giving the characters, uh, you know, a good story, a good story that's worth writing and I hope reading about, but also using that nostalgia to give you a little bit of a history and, uh, and give the characters uh, kind of a lived in feel like you've known these guys for a long time is hopefully uh, what you're going to come away with there. And like I've said, I'm going to be doing a lot more with this character. Um, I have a lot planned for him in, in production, so this is the ground floor. Um, I think it'll be a fun, uh, a fun character to follow through his adventures and uh, hope people will come with me on this ride. Yeah, a hundred percent agree. Everybody come on along on this ride. It's going to be uh, a lot of fun. Uh, so Ben, why don't you remind everybody where you can be found online if they have questions about the campaign, want to reach out uh, and you have a YouTube channel as well, correct? I do. Yeah. Um, my YouTube channel, if you just do a search for uh, Benjamin Morse comic book artist, that's where you find me there. You can uh, go on Facebook. It's facebook.com backslash August comic. Um, I'm there on Twitter. I am Benjamin W. Morse. And you can message me there if you have any questions about the campaign. And you can also find me on Instagram at Benjamin Morse underscore uh, art. So yep, I'll put links to the show uh, notes. Where to find me in the campaign itself. Okay. Yeah. I'll send those over. And yeah. of course the campaign itself can be found at zoop.gg. And, uh, and I hope you'll check them out. Yeah, and again, I'll, everybody, I'll put links in the show notes to all the social media and Ben's YouTube channel as well. So if you're having trouble finding, you can go uh, and click there. And uh, I'll also take this opportunity to remind everybody, as I always do, uh, maybe this sounds like the perfect campaign for you and money's a little tight. You just don't have the funds right now. The other way, other than joining the campaign and joining the community that Ben's created uh, on Zoop, uh, the best way you can help him out is to share it. Right. Let your friends know, let your fellow comic book readers know, let your uh, comic book shop know that this is going on. So they'll have a chance to join the campaign while it's uh, while it's going on. So, um, yeah, anything you can do to spread the word, get as many eyes on this, because it's one of those things that a lot of people are going to love. They just need to be aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, any I've gotten so much support, you know, just in terms of retweets and, and people mentioning it uh, like, yeah, if it's uh, if money's tight, I certainly understand that the way things have been going. Um, hey, everything's appreciated. Just, uh, you know, my big, my big reason for doing this, you know, aside is just, I, I want to get eyes on this character. I love this, this franchise I'm, I'm trying to create. Um, and I really like writing stories about this character. So yeah, any eyes we can get on it, um, I think, uh, I think is great. Yeah. Let's blow this thing up and maybe we'll see some action figures down the, down the line. That would I would be- love, I would <laughs> love to see that. I, uh, my dream is to get like, not really cool looking sculpted ones, but like I'd want them to look like the old GI Joes that were connected with rubber bands. That would be yeah. the, the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the designs are just the character, you know, we talked about your costume design. Uh, it's just amazing. I'd love to see, love to see that someday. So uh, again, Ben, best of luck with the campaign. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, and to all you listeners, uh, thanks as well. Rem- uh, remember, there's a link to the campaign in the show notes along with Benjamin's social media, so you can go and click there. Just give it a look. Take a couple minutes. Check it out. Uh, I think it'll scratch the itch for uh, a lot of you. So uh, we appreciate the support as always and for listening. So we will talk to you next time. 
You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.